Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week's guest is comedian and YouTube host, Chrissy Mayer. That conversation is next. First, let me tell you about Curtis King, a man we've been talking about here on the podcast, and someone who you should know, because at the age of 80, he decided he'd join the Union Army and go off and fight in the American Civil War. That is amazing. A few months ago, while driving on Highway 63 near Ottumwa, Iowa, American Pride Roasters Coffee founder Dave Matthews and his wife Faith spotted a small historical marker sign on the side of the road. Curiosity got the best of them, and when they turned around to see what was so historical in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, they found a single tombstone for Curtis King. Mr. King could neither read nor write, but had such retentive powers that he could recite the Bible from beginning to end with only prompting from his daughter while she read along. King lived until he was 81 years old and fathered 21 children. The youngest was only 15 months old at his death. Huh. <laughs> In the tradition of making memorable coffee blends in honor of memorable Americans, Dave and his crew got to work honoring King and his service to the nation by creating a blend of smooth, full-city roasted Ethiopian beans along with bold, sweet, French-roasted Sumatran beans. What an awesome combination. I hope you will head over to APRCoffee.com, try some of this new Curtis King blend for yourself, and don't forget to use promo code ATM at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Oh, and the macadamia nut uh, infused at the mic blend, also available. Don't forget, he made that one just for me. Thanks so much, Dave. Whatever you choose, you can't go wrong at aprcoffee.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. This week, I sat down with the one and only Chrissy Mayer. While it's accurate to say that she's a very funny comedian, there's so much more to her than that. You may be familiar with her popular YouTube show as well. We start that chat right now on At The Mic. Joy, first of all, Chrissy Mayer, I'm, I apologize if the studio uh, reeks of recently consumed Chick-fil-A products. So I actually love it. That's one of my favorite things about coming to Texas is just whiffs of Chick-fil-A. I should have saved you some because you're obviously just got off a plane. You're very hungry. <laughs> no, it's good. You're... It's good. I'm uh, I'm doing I'm doing snacks. The Blaze has great snacks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm going to have plenty of time over the next couple of days to just like eat as much fried chicken as I can get my hands oh, on. Oh, good plan. Yeah. We have like one Chick-fil-A in New York City, in Manhattan. I go in the city once a week to do my show on Compound Media. It's just one of my uh-huh. shows that I do. Wait, it's where, where, hold on. Yeah, you stay very busy. We're going to get into all the stuff that, that you're involved <laughs> with. But how long has this Chick-fil-A been in Manhattan? I think a couple of years. Okay, and it okay. was like, people, it's not that long. It's yeah, not that yeah, old. Okay. So people would protest it because oh, New York, people in New York City, they get, they get very touchy about, about their gays and, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A. They just... <laughs> Sometimes there'd be people protesting, or oh, uh-huh. you know, but then we eventually gave in because it's just so good. Um, you can't not. You have to kind of yeah. put aside your feelings because um, it's that good. Chicken too tasty, as mm-hmm. someone uh, pointed out uh, online. That's a fact. I mean, it's just it's just too good, and it's so, so it's good. one of those things that you it, it can actually unite us if we would allow it to. So. You made me look this up, all right? Because <laughs> I asked where were you born, and you're like Rockville Center. 
I'm like, okay, where's that? You also said don't make the answers too long. That's true, that's true. But I did have to Google, and it's Long Island. Yeah, All yeah, right. Strong Island, baby. I um, <laughs> the more I drink, the more the accent comes out. But I I made a concerted <laughs> effort to to like kind of take away the Long Island accent because I really thought I wanted to be a news reporter in college. Mm. So I was made very aware of it. But you know what? And now I don't care anymore because I'm mm-hmm. I'm clearly you know well maybe I am a little bit going down that path. Actually, I've covered a couple of huh. protests and rallies here and there. But I'm I really thought I wanted to be like a Stone Phillips type. Oh wow! Yeah, I had a I had an internship at Dateline when I was a junior in college. Oh, like wow. I really thought that's what I wanted. And then I got there. I'm like, wow, this guy is so boring. Like he the way he <laughs> sounds on his show. That's how he is all the time. That is hysterical. Yeah. So hold on. You went to school. You went to Fairfield University. Yes. Where, where is that, by It's the way? in Connecticut. Okay, it's in Connecticut. Yeah. That makes sense. Fairfield, Connecticut, right? Okay. Did you go to school for journalism then? I was a, like a media studies major, uh-huh. so like communications major. I was originally going to be like studio art. I had a bad experience with a teacher. At like It was an installation art course. Something fell from the ceiling. She gave me a C, and I was like, I don't get Cs in art. So then I dropped <laughs> out, and I really stuck it to her by then getting a women's studies minor, which is... Perhaps the most useless <laughs> minor someone could get. and But I was, you know, I graduated college, like, fully a feminist, a liberal. Huh. Like, I was, the, the brainwashing took to me. So wow, yeah. yeah. And, and we got so much we got to get into today. So, because today, you're a comedian, you're a podcaster. By the way, you have a new CD out um, that, uh, I, I love the title of it. Let me make sure I get this right. Hold on. It's it's uh, live from January sixth. Yes, that is so great. It's my debut, first ever stand up stand up comedy album. Very cool. Yeah, on iTunes okay. and Amazon. Uh, it's already, I think, number one in comedy on Amazon. Wow! So it's doing pretty good. So I wanna I wanna try to beef up iTunes a little bit. You know, if you buy this album, you don't even have to listen to it. Like, just buy it so I can piss off all the woke comics in New York City who <laughs> who want to see me jobless. That's right. okay. So what what caused that transformation then from being this uber feminist, uber liberal type uh, after you got out of college, right? What caused the transition for you to where you are today as I, I don't know how you would describe yourself if you would even label yourself, but obviously not woke. Definitely anti, yeah, definitely anti-woke. And just seeing, like, kind of what's been happening with free speech and comedy over the years. Like, I've always had kind of the same sense of humor. But when I went from hosting a monthly show at a gay bar in New York City, I hosted a show at the Stonewall Inn for six years, which in New York City producing time is, is like an eternity. Mm. Um, but I, when I went from doing that show to a weekly show on Compound Media, and Compound Media is perceived to be, like, very right wing and all right. And people don't know what the hell they're talking about. There's all types of talent on the network, but it's because of, you know, Anthony Cumia that they perceive the whole mm. network to be kind of right leaning. And I just, I noticed the way that other comics would treat me when I went that, when I made that transition from like hosting a show at a gay bar to doing like a weekly show on compound media. And I was like, Oh wow. Like that was when I was made very aware of identity politics and, you know, just over the years, a couple of, not even civilians, but like other comedians trying to cancel me over impressions or jokes. Um, and it seemed like this kind of rivalry between the woke and the and the anti-woke comedians in New York City. And you figure, oh, we're all together. We're all community. No, there is there is no such community. Mm. And so it was a combination of that and seeing 
kind of free speech be jeopardized in comedy? Oh, we can't make fun of this group of people? We can't make fun of this? Yeah, there's this? not much ground that that is left to mock, right? If, yeah. If you're, if you're of the woke mindset, for lack of a better phrase, they... they they, they just, there's so much that's off limits, it's insane. It makes no sense. And, and true unity, true equality is making fun of each group yeah. equally. <laughs> so it was a combination of that and also just like many years of uh, needing to put my air conditioner in the window. And I was like, well, I guess I need to make right with men. I guess I need to, <laughs> I need to get over my, that is just living life. You're like, oh, I, you know, it's illogical to, to just kind of hate men for no reason and. <laughs> Yeah, we've got plenty of reasons that are legit for you to hate us. I was like, look, I need furniture that needs to be put together. Uh, come back, guys. Come back. <laughs> so you were born and raised then on yeah. Long Island, right? Mm -hmm. and, oh, by the way, can I just point this out? Yesterday here, it was 40 degrees warmer than it is today. Every time you come here... I make it cold. Right, because the last time you came here was on the eve of our destruction, our our mini ice age that we had in February of 2021. That was wild. Like, you guys got just a little bit of snow and everybody shut down. Did you get out of here alive? It was actually the the Raisin Canes, because Elijah was like, I have to take you to Raisin Canes. You, you've never been. You have to go. And it was like, you know, everyone was freaking out because there's like two inches of snow on the ground. And, and and since then, in the year that's passed, no one in the state has bought a snow plow. You're just like, eh, let the next generation deal with we'll that. It's it. not going to snow we'll again. It. And then it does snow <laughs> again. And we, I remember we were at Raising Canes and like this truck full of Mexicans got out. They took their landscaping tools, flipped them upside down, and they were scraping the snow off the drive through with their <laughs> rakes. And I was like, these guys are on point like i have such respect but yeah the chicken was worth it okay okay well it was good i just want to point out every time you come to town it gets cold so i'm gonna it start was planning crazy that there was a blackout in my ho the hotel yeah. i was staying at i had to go i walked like down the block i had to get like dining room candles to light to have in my hotel room and i was like i felt like a tiny tim no it was it was uh you better give me a heads up next time you're in town, and it won't be. Don't uh, make any plans. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to hang out or anything. I just want to know if it's going to get cold, Chrissy. I wonder if people think I'm a witch. That every time she comes <laughs> here, it snows and the weather's weird. So you're the youngest of three. Mm -hmm. You have brothers, sisters. Yes, older brother mm -hmm. and middle uh, sister. Okay, cool. So yeah. you're the baby of the family. I'm the baby. Yeah, I was always the one that was like getting into trouble. But I think as an adult, and I can say this because because nobody in my family falls anything I do. I really think I'm doing the best <laughs> of everybody. Oh, wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, hi sis. <laughs> hi bro. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know. Okay, your earliest memory. Uh, I just want to check this. You're maybe four years old. You were jumping on a bed into your mom's arms. Did did you get injured? It was nothing exciting. And I okay. was thinking to my earliest memory, I'm like, yeah. I wish it were something really interesting. But it was just, yeah, like... Nothing traumatic. No, it was just like a that. nice, okay. like, fun, lighthearted oh. mom memory. Well, that's cool. Oh, that's yeah. good. Because it's so many of these earliest memories are something trauma-inducing. And that's why I just wanted to check, make sure. Yeah, and then I busted my lip and broke my arm, but it was cool. I remember my first kiss. I was 14. It was mm. on the pool deck at Oceanside Pool in Long Island. And, like, of course, like, you know, nobody knows what they're doing. And I think we just sort <laughs> of, like, we just, like, fell into each other. We just thought, like, all right, we're, our faces are pressing. That yeah. must be all there is huh. to do here. And then that was it. And then the guy hugged me, Phil Giamarino, and said, I love you. And I was like, uh, I guess I love you too. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. We're just going through all the motions. It's just, 
you just reminded me of something when I was in first grade, maybe. I came around the corner. You were talking about falling into each other. There was this girl that I didn't care for her. She didn't care for me. We both got picked up by the same babysitter. And we just basically avoided each other at school all day. And then we sat silently in the back of this. I think it was a Ford Pinto or something, you know, whatever, <laughs> on the way to her house. Anyway, so I remember one time I was coming around the corner out of the lunchroom. And she was coming into the lunchroom around the corner. And we literally smacked lips into each other. Wow. <laughs> it was so awkward. I'd forgotten about that for decades until you just said it the way you did. That's good. And I remember, <laughs> God, probably most exciting like memory from elementary school, like I was thinking back, you know, because you think about like as you get older, you're like what the kids now are experiencing and like, mm -hmm. okay, are they too young for what's going on? And how, thank God I didn't have a TikTok growing up right. because I was like, uh, like I think sort of already very distracted. But I remember we were... Uh, <laughs> in elementary school and Danny Langdon he was like the bad boy he had like a spiked <laughs> mohawk he had like blonde spiky hair someone had found a condom like on the playground and nobody knew what it was like we're in oh, elementary school no. we have no but we knew that it was like an icky adult thing oh, and somebody no. just picked it up with a no. stick and they're trying to like we're trying to like fling it at me like you're just like ew don't let it touch. oh no <laughs> and that's I don't know why yeah that's a memory that stands out that's good that's good. Uh, uh, okay. So why did you decide, was it, do we blame Stone Phillips for the reason you're not in TV news yeah, today? Yeah, I think we okay. can blame him. Okay. Specifically. Right. And, <laughs> he yeah. was just so boring. And then I, uh, <laughs> the next year I interned at Late Night with Conan when he was still in New York. Oh, wow. Before he moved to LA. Uh -huh. And that was really great. I was like, okay, these are my people. I don't know what I'm going to do with comedy, but I always had like a good sense of humor. Okay. Loved making people laugh. I was like, I know that this, I will, you know, I'm going to end up in comedy somehow because... Mm -hmm. Just hanging out with the writers felt better. Um, it wasn't as like pretentious as like the kind of like news magazine, you right. know, scenario. Was so. this another internship? With yes. Okay. Very yeah. Cool. Did they have you do anything meaningful? Anything that you enjoyed, or did you just um, hang around and observe? Yeah. What was meaningful as an intern is like looking back was like kind of sad. Like it would be the biggest deal in the world if you got to do like the dinner orders for the writers, and then they'd be like, "Get something for yourself." It's like. My first times at Starbucks, and I thought I, I would get what I thought was like such a fancy drink, which was just like a latte with like sugar-free vanilla syrup. Like I just would overhear what somebody else would order. It's like when you're a kid, or it's like when you're like a young adult and you like go to a bar for a first time and you don't even know what a drink is. You don't know what to order. You're just like a Midori yeah. sour. I guess that's what I drink. You know. Uh, well, also the thing about Starbucks, it's just it's a club. It's complicated, and so unless you know exactly what it is you're going to order, you're just sitting there staring at the menu like, I, I don't know, I'll take, um, yeah. what what size is that? Yeah, so yeah. I could totally oh, hear you. You get the sizes wrong, right. they'll, they'll oh. shame you, and then you're <laughs> balancing the coffees like you can't spill them, oh, you can't be gone too long. It was like very nerve-wracking. One time I had to go pick up Conan's credit card oh. from this restaurant called Esca in New York City, and then another time like, yeah, he, I think he, and then you had to remember like what he liked to eat and drink, like we he really liked vanilla, stony Phil Farms yogurt. He also really liked um, bubble flavored bubble gum. I think it was like we had to always have it on hand, like oh, no. in plentiful. Please don't ruin Conan for me. Was he was he cool? No, to he work was great. With? He okay, was so cool. He just had some uh, particular just, diet you just choices. Remember he specifics because your job as an intern okay. is like you're trying so hard, like not to screw yeah. up. Okay, and you're like, okay, I remember this, and uh, that's great. It wasn't like 
Where are my green M and M's? Okay, know. please separate them. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's cool. so. So big thanks to Conan O'Brien and Shout that team Conan. over there for for your career path, which is, I mean, it's best to describe you as a comedian slash podcaster. Yeah. Right? Okay. So you do the stand up thing. You recorded an album, not playing music, y'all. And uh, <laughs> I did play the alto sax uh, for a few years in high school, so I could probably really. If you handed me one right now, uh, oh, I have one right here. If you want to <laughs> oh, no. play an alto, so, no, I've got a tambourine. If you want to, that that I can play no problem. Yeah, I know. Don't no. There's a mystique there. Pretend it's tough. Isn't oh, it? yeah, it's so yeah. There's tough, so many right? little pieces on. Yeah, there. I wouldn't see? know what to do. It's complicated. It's yeah. tough. Okay, so all right. When you were a kid, though, you wanted to be either a gymnast. Or a veterinarian. I really wanted to be both. I thought uh-huh. it was possible to be both. So like a superhero, like a combo, you know. I was like, I definitely could be an <laughs> Olympic gymnast and a veterinarian full time. Like, what? Like, it's hard? Yeah. <laughs> but I've always loved, I still love animals, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm like probably not as flexible as okay. I was back in the day. I mean, that, that happens. So <laughs> you were good at gymnastics? Yeah, I loved it. I, I think they uh, they ended up putting me in varsity, like the high school varsity team when I was in like seventh grade, which they did because there were just not many wow. like high school gymnasts. So they would kind of look to the middle schoolers to be like, who could we pluck out? And then- uh, That almost sounds Soviet-esque. It did. Hello, <laughs> welcome to the gymnastics yeah. team. Put this on, please. <laughs> God. Uh, so, I mean, that- did you do it beyond high school or did you kind no of- because and i also started you know diving at around age 11 and i noticed in high school like my ankles got really like Uh-oh. weak like it, it oh. was i'd have like a trick ankle i'd be walking down the hallway in high school and i would just like fall for no reason i'd be like all right i gotta phase out of gymnastics oh, and then man. i went at around probably probably like yeah during high school i went full time into into just diving and then did that all through college uh, I was a coach, you know, just about every mm-hmm. summer. So that was like probably one of the most meaningful jobs I ever had. And I, my favorite thing to do, because like kids would go up on the three meter springboard, like, you know, there's a one meter and a three meter. And when you're working the summers as a lifeguard, the kids gets, you know, they get on the high board, they look down, they get scared. Oh my gosh. And whoever's the lifeguard at the dive tank has to like toot, toot, toot. And then you run over. And most lifeguards like walk the, the kid down the stairs. All right, come back down. Like, not me. I would be like, you know what? Not that I would play tricks, but I would just be like, you know, let's just walk to the end of the diving board and walk back just so you could say you did it and it'll be easier next time. Like, we're just going to walk to the end and walk back. And then so sure enough, like nine times out of ten, huh. we walk to the end and the kid would be like, I'll be like, look, you're already at the end. I mean, you're already here. All you have to do is, what, do you want to take one step off or do you want to turn around and walk all the way back? And it's even scarier. Uh-huh. And like most of the time they would end up jumping off. And okay. then some of the times perhaps they would get a little push from an unknown source. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. How, how high is that? Uh, oh, it's just like, I think it's like nine and a half feet or something. Not that wow, high. It seems so much higher. It does seem higher. Wait, how, hold on a second. Maybe I'm confusing some things here. How about in the Olympics when they do the high dive thing? Yeah. How well, tall is that one? In the Olympics, like, yeah, they have the platforms that are like, um, I think it's like one, three, five, seven and a half, and 10 meter. Oh, okay, this is America. So 10 meter is like, yeah, 30 something feet. Oh my. That's like the high one. Yeah, I'm good. But I've gone off that too. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, we're going to get to that because <laughs> uh, you've you've accomplished some things. But, but let's go through these because you mentioned uh, being a coach. Let's go through some of these jobs because, believe it or not, you aren't born with a microphone in your hand. 
No. There, there is a pathway. You talked about the internships that you had, um, being a lifeguard, uh, the springboard diving coach. I got to know more about this, though. <laughs> the Radio City Music Hall tour guide? Yeah, that was my first job out of college. Again, I had no clue like what to do with my life. I had no like <laughs> counselors of any. Nobody's steering me into like the right direction. Like uh-huh. I remember growing up, my mom would be like, Christy, go to college. One day you could work at a hotel. You know, like that was her biggest <laughs> dream for me. And uh, so when I graduated, I did give tours at college, you know, as part of like this, you know, student whatever association, mm-hmm. student tour guide. And I would, I would kind of like make up facts about the school. That might have oh, been like my initial, no. you know, like beginning into wanting to go into stand up and nothing crazy. Like I'd just be like, oh, there's a, there's the pond over there. There's a manatee in there. Like, don't go, don't, just to see if they're paying attention. Then I'd be like, you know, <laughs> just kidding. So just keeping them on their toes. So I got a job at Radio City Music Hall yeah. as a tour guide. And you're there with these other like off-duty, off-Broadway actor types. Mm. These are not, it's not a well-paying job. I don't even think it's year-round. It's very seasonal, very kind of part-time. But I remember like my coworkers there, there are other like, you know, actors that are out of work. And we went and got sushi once for lunch. And it was the first time I ever had sushi and again, I'm ordering what they order. I have no clue. Oh, no. And you know the little green plastic separator thing? Yeah. I, oh, no. I ate no. that. No, no. I, I put it in my mouth and chewed it. And I was like, this is, I don't know if I like sushi. Uh, <laughs> like I, I bench Did there. anybody no, I know at the time what was going on over there? Like, no. And then finally I was able to like pull it out. I, was uh-huh. like, I didn't like swaddle it. But I was like, wow. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And it was an interesting job because you had to memorize like a three inch thick book of facts about Radio City Music Hall. And it's kind of a fascinating place. Like even the carpets in every floor are like the, the carpet has a you know a famous guy who designed it the mm. each of the bathrooms like georgia o'keefe painted one of the bathrooms so you have to like memorize wow all these facts and then you go you take these people on these tours and i still had like adult braces at the time so that i was going through a rough patch i had like very short blonde hair braces and then i have these you know grandparents on my tours that are showing me photos of their grandson like they're trying to set me <laughs> oh, up with no, their grandson no, and no. i'm just trying to get through all my facts and I, the most interesting fact that i remember about race and music hall is they used to have you know, like elephants and like circus animals on some of the shows right. like before, you know, PETA got to them. But uh, apparently one of the facts was that like an elephant, like they would have the hardest time getting the elephant like into the showroom because the elephant wouldn't go into the elevator because he would put a foot down and he could feel it was a false bottom. He was, it wasn't a real. So the elephants are smarter than people, like won't even get in the elevator. So then there's like, there's pictures of them like pushing these elephants down these stairs and oh. probably like not great for the elephants but so how long did you do that job less than a year less than a year yeah but i bet you still sitting here today as you just demonstrated can rattle off facts about that place you know it's weird yet i yet i forget like very important facts (laughs) of my current like i forget names Uh faces it's weird the information that decides to stick around right isn't that what leaves your brain yeah that is uh, i'm so glad you said that i'm an atlanta falcons fan don't ask me why, other than I just grew what up there. Is that there. hockey? Yeah, that's football. Okay. Allegedly football. <laughs> but I can remember where I was for particular meaningless games. But like you said, important stuff, I forget five minutes later. It's yeah. not a good trait. It's bad, like people you've worked with. <laughs> right. Dates. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Appointments. Uh, appoint- oh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. You were a proofreader at an ad agency. Ugh. 
That sounds scary. I really had no. I just would go from one job to the next. I would just go from like from headhunter to headhunter. Hmm. I'd be like, find me something. And here's my thing: is I interview very, extremely well. Like I'm a great interview, but then once I've yeah. been there a couple months, like the the job actually sets in, and and I was <laughs> like, oh, well, getting the job great at, huh. keeping the job not as good at. Well, yeah. Was this like a newspaper, magazine? I kept picking jobs that like really were not right for me. I was a proofreader for uh, like a Broadway advertising agency. So, you know, just be like, oh, hot feet, live on Broadway. And you have to make sure there's a semicolon here, colon here, comma here. So it was the less glamorous angle of Mad Men. Yeah. Not the fun stuff. Yeah, and I worked in a couple different advertising agencies, but that one, I remember each time I get I would get fired, it would take me longer and longer to start crying, which I think is an accomplishment. Okay, all right. Like sometimes, it, you know, at first it happens when you're in the office with the person that's firing you, and then the next time you make it to the elevator, <laughs> and then the next time you make it to the train. Uh, <laughs> well, tell us about the uh, admissions department at the all-boys prep school. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Yeah, this was kind of a fun job. The, the hours were not good good for being a stand-up comic because I had to be at that job at 8 a.m. because it was kind of correlated with school hours so it was an all-boys prep school on the Upper East Side and you know it had a headmaster it was kind of like not like British themed per se but a headmaster instead of a principal and there was a middle school and there was lower school and then there was upper school instead of calling it you know like fifth grade you know but they had they had numerical grades but the bulk of the admissions was for kindergarten, and the, and again, these are these are like rich people. These these like the New York elite like mm-hmm. bring their kids to this, this school. Is like it's yeah, this is Manhattan. This is Upper East Side. It's you know, there's one of like ten schools you could rattle off and be like, okay, they're kind of like you know the big leagues. But mm-hmm. these kids would get so. I think the most famous, I think Baron Trump. When I first started working there everyone was talking about how baron trump had interviewed to go there like the year prior mm. and he ended up going to a different school and it was mostly children of uh of like un diplomats that would go there because it was on in the east 60s and i think bridget moynihan and you know the, the kid she had with tom brady that kid came through mm. and everyone's like oh the famous kids come and looking mm. back i'm like why do we get excited over famous people's kids you know it's right. just and so it Explain this process. Does a five-year-old get interviewed? Yes. What do they ask it's... a five-year-old? Do you pick your nose, yes or no? <laughs> do you eat it? Okay, very interesting. <laughs> it, well, it's called an evaluation, and I was like an admissions assistant, so I'm not the one. And then there's okay. a separate evaluator, and me and her would kind of like work closely together. But it's interesting. Like, she's just writing down, you know, like, are you more aggressive? Are you a good listener? Do you share your toys? Like, just really observing you, like, with a clipboard. Oh, and my gosh. These kids would get, by the time they are brought to this evaluation, I don't know if their parents, their nannies, whoever, like, they hype them up so much. These kids are so nervous because these spots are so, yes. like, highly coveted. There was a kid who once was brought in for his evaluation. He was so nervous. He gets into the lobby. He's like, huh. He pukes all over the floor of the lobby. And I said to Deb, the evaluator, I was like, Deb, is this going to... Like is he is he screwed right now? Is there, and she's like, yeah, there's no way he's coming back from this. And I was like, oh no, this poor kid. Oh, this God. poor kid didn't have a chance. That so, is brutal. And then you learn, you know, when you're, 
it's it's strange. You think you just oh you ask whoever you you bring in whatever the best students and she was like, no, it's like crafting an orchestra. You can't have all violin players or all drummers. So you need to have some boy and it's you know some boys that wow. are very outgoing, some boys that are like better listeners. And I was like, wow. Now That's... looking back, I was like, everyone took their jobs way too seriously. And it really it opened my eyes to we had like financial aid packages and a couple for a couple years in a row we just like wouldn't give them out like we just they you know the whoever the admissions director was just didn't you know just didn't like uh bring somebody in who oh i guess we didn't need it this year it's crazy you guys get to use that money for a hot tub fund no no no, i asked but it's i don't know it was just it's a whole different world uh these people who have a ton of money and I printed out a lot of name tags. That's what I did. <laughs> I just wore a lot of cardigans. Like I did a lot of, you know, going to Ann Taylor Loft, buying cardigans, <laughs> just buying like pleated pants, you know, because my sister is a teacher. My mom worked in the schools. So I was always kind of around, you know, teachers and such for years. Any other experiences from previous jobs, uh, memorable moments uh, that come to mind? Any traumatic experiences or anything that, that oh, man, you're like traumatic. man let me tell you about this other than like bad getting, customers getting and, fired um yeah. i was a waiter once oh, wow. and i got yelled at that was i give well like i have the ultimate respect for for like waiters and waitresses because right, i was taking someone's order i remember i was trying to, it was a churchill's in raffle center where i'm from this restaurant we would go to for years and I'm just trying to take this woman's order. And she's like, I really want the salmon cooked this way. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, the chef only really cooks it this one way. She started yelling at me. You know, you're incompetent. Da, da, da. Oh, and I was, boy. like, near tears. And, like, I went around to the other side of the wall to, like, put in the order. And I overheard the table. And the guy said to the woman, you know, you really, that was a bit too much. And she's like, some people deserve to be spoken to that way. And I'm just like, ah, I'm crying. Oh, and, like, putting wow. the order in the POS system. Like, this is terrible. No. And then uh, I, like I think the next day I got a temp job at NYU so I left I left being a waitress for that just really like one like pretty awful job to the next Mm, mm, mm. but you're having fun now I'm having fun yeah that's good I'm glad to hear that because it's good I never wanted to be someone who needed to borrow money from their parents so I've like I've always had at least one or two jobs oh probably the most interesting job that I had was I was a foot model oh no yeah and this was a job I found on Craigslist oh no I showed up. It was in Tribeca. I was so relieved, Keith, when I got there that there weren't just like a bunch of grown men ready to jacket on my feet. Like this was a legitimate job. Not also not glamorous. It paid $50 an hour. But would they see me at an hour at a time? No, they'd see me 15, 20 minutes at a time. And you just show up. They have a box of shoes from like Spain or Brazil or wherever the, you know, the factory was and you just try them on and give them feedback because i didn't realize this keith i don't know if you knew this but uh i thought every size shoe had a had a fit model which is like what i was technically that size seven which is what i am is like the international or the that's the you know whatever perfect size foot uh-huh. or whatever like so that was me and oh. i have like a good arch like i i probably could be making <laughs> a lot of money off these foot pics um but i was like you know what i have integrity here <laughs> and they throw you a couple of pairs of shoes that are like oh, wow. you know old you or they stop selling yeah oh, okay. it was pretty fun oh, that is cool All right. again not did not make a lot of money like a lot of these jobs just no benefits you take them for like a little extra cash and that was a job i did at the same time where I, when i was a, a receptionist at a title insurance company on wall street 
Okay. So I was like, hustle and bustle of Wall Street, $15 yeah. salads. I felt Aww. like I was really somebody. But again, just like answering phones. <laughs> okay. At times. Okay, before I, answer, before I ask you this next question, um, would you say that you and your boyfriend... Pretty serious, yeah? Yeah, like, we've been together seven years okay. and change. Okay, yeah. well, that's good. That's good, because I would hate for an awkward moment to develop out of this next question. This interview? If by the, <laughs> if, no, if by the time this episode posts... That we're broken you're up. broken up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then it's, it was the point of me asking. But I love your uh, answer to the person that's had the biggest impact on your life, and you say it's your boyfriend. Tell us yeah, about him. Yeah, for real. Like, we've been together. I feel like I have been, like, three different people in the seven years we've been together. And, mm. I, and I wonder if anybody who's been in a long-term relationship feels that way. Because it's so easy to have a good first date or a good first month. And I feel like that's why a lot of people, like, jump from one relationship to another. Like, especially with comedians. I, I know so many people, like, oh, every six months there's a different boyfriend-girlfriend. And it's mm. like, yeah, after that part, like, the hormones wear off. You actually have to work at the relationship <laughs> I think it's after what a year and a half between like oh, wow. a year and a year and a half is when like whatever the hormones the the feel good hormones wear off. But he, wow, I didn't know there was a science to that. Yes, there's actual there's an actual time set the timer. Um, he's just been with me through so much. My grandmother dying, my mom getting sick with cancer, dying like that whole two and a half year process. Uh, everything like all these different jobs he's you know helped me kind of like really see my path with comedy and podcasting and like pushes me to mm. like I think everything I've accomplished it's I couldn't have done it without his help and without him pushing me because right like relationships are a mirror so it's like you need to be close to somebody for them to tell you hey like you procrastinate when this kind of a thing is going on or, or you have imposter syndrome or like hey the you know what I mean? Not that he's, you know, saying it to me like that, but <laughs> just to like... I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Not that he's like a therapist per se. No, that's but, cool. Well, and you yeah. did allude to two really um, milestone events in your life when you were talking about him there, uh, about the death of your grandmother and the death of your mom. In fact, uh, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. It, it was pretty recent, huh? Like three years yeah. ago. For this August, it'll be four years. Okay. It never gets easier. It's just no. like, you just get used to it. Nothing prepares you for it. You go through so many different stages. Like when she first passed away, I remember I'd be like in a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls, and then I'm all of a sudden behind someone with like same height, same right. hair, same yeah. kind of shoes, and I'd be like, oh, you just like start crying while you're sniffing candles. You're like, what's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> I understand. But then, it, you know, it passes, and... Think I think you know everything happens for a reason. So like after she passed away is when I really turned my focus into working harder at comedy. I started doing more podcast appearance. I started doing, you know, I would do characters on Compound Media, and that's when I really put my foot on the gas and got very serious about my career. And I and I really think it took her passing away for all this space to open up my mm. life. And I just filled it with that. Not that I was trying to distract myself from sure. grief, but um, it just... You focused yeah. that, that energy, I it guess. It worked out. It was cancer. tough, too, because she was diagnosed with cancer. And then they, my parents like went ahead and still moved to Florida. So it's not like I could see her all the time. Mm. 
I'm really bringing the room down, Keith. <laughs> no, not, I mean, it's a question that I ask. So, I mean, I, I totally anticipate every one of these conversations has, has those moments. So I'm with you. Sometimes well, I wonder if me and my boyfriend have been together so long because he hears the way I talk about my ex-boyfriends on stage. Like, he's oh, like, I don't want to be a comedy bit. No, I'm... <laughs> that is... Okay. Smart man. Yeah, he doesn't want to be a punchline. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So how is he with your two dogs? I mean, we got to talk about they're, muffin and waffles. They're actually <laughs> my boyfriend's mom's dogs, oh. but I am around them so okay. much that I consider them to be my dogs. Okay. Awful. Like I, help, right. I help feed them. Uh-huh. Yeah, Muffin is so sweet. I think she must have the soul of a person because she like looks at you like a person. Like she she can I feel like she can read my mind sometimes. Yes. She gained a little bit of weight over the winter, like we all do. Um and then Waffles (laughs) came along, like she's about eight months old. Mm. Like just as the other one, Cookie, was dying. Um so now we have Waffles. She's mm. very sweet. She's she's like a pu- you know puppy, very puppy like still. So Hold she'll on. go from like licking your face to biting you in like two seconds. I'm noticing a trend here. What no. is it with naming the dogs after food? I don't know. Cookie, they're muffin, Italian. Waffles. Yeah, they're always thinking about food. I swear, okay. like I, it was a real like culture shock to start dating an Italian guy because they care so much about food. I'm telling they you, they will talk about the next meal while they're eating the current <laughs> meal. Yes, we will be eating lunch. I'm like, what are we doing for dinner? And I'm like, we haven't even swallowed this meal yet. That is awesome. What is and then it just as it was so different from how I was raised. Uh-huh. Like if if I even was like asked my dad like, hey, what are we doing for dinner? He'd be like, shut up, you're fat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, wow. That that I have heard that. Uh, that just seems very universal. Italians and food. They love Absolutely. their food. So explain to me what is a because this sounds intense. What is an F45 workout? I'm oh, a little concerned. It's like a circuit it's like circuit training. It's um it's now, probably, now you're using the word training. It's it's basically no. you know what curves is? Yeah. Where you move around to station to station. I think this is like a cooler, okay. younger version <laughs> of that. It's probably a cross between um CrossFit and Maybe, yeah. I don't want to compare it to curves at all, but you do move like station okay. to station oh. and they play like you know, music. It's good. It's like basically, good it stuff. feels like private training, but you're in a group and they just like, it's nice. I like to go to a gym and like be told what to do because if not, I'll just stand there and I'll look in the mirror. I'll be like, you know what? You look, you look fine. Just go home. <laughs> you look fine. You're let's, doing all right. Let's go. I'll just compare myself to like the people that are even fatter and I'll be like, you know what? You're doing okay. <laughs> You're keeping yeah. it together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is interesting. The book that you're currently reading, Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a playbook. It's like wild. Damn, about like halfway through it is written in the 70s, but it's just so much of what you're reading. Like, oh, this feels like this was written today. Yeah. So. And well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the playbook for many politicians. So it, it's, I find that when you read some of these books that are in 180 degrees out of phase from where your mindset is, I mean, it, it's just like, it, it's like you're reading, you're going, aha. Yeah. Yes, this makes sense. The yeah. biggest takeaway that I've gotten from this book so far is that I think applies to what's going on right now. Like, if you don't want to read the book yourself, it's like everything that's going on in society right now, we're like, well, this doesn't make sense. And they've got rules for this and then rules for this person. And this person gets to wear a mask, but then this person doesn't get to wear a mask. And the 
the things are set up this way not so that they are like logically make sense it is to beat you down wear you down so you get to a point where you don't care what happens like mm-hmm. it's 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 actually by design to to take away your resolve and so that like you just throw your hands up you're like I don't even care what happens yeah. and then that's when people can come in and reshape an entire society so many people want an apathetic society yeah to divide and conquer and control and like you said this isn't they're not winging this yes and, and it's and once you start seeing the patterns you go okay I'm not crazy I'm not alone mm-hmm. these are tactics yeah exactly your favorite book, you said anything by Jordan Peterson. He has had such a large impact on so many people, I find. I even feel like I sound corny by saying, I love Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Just like there's so many, there's so many of us. Yeah, I listened to 12 Rules for Life on audiobook, like just every time I would take a bath, I would like put it on and I'd be like in the bathtub, like, hmm, yeah, you know, it's just like, just great for kind of radical self responsibility mm-hmm. and. Yeah kind of just it really pulls you out so you're not even uh a little bit vulnerable to falling into like a victim mentality and right. like what was me and uh i think it's always good to check in and reread his stuff and even he's just following him on social media it's it's good it's just like it, he's like the the dad we all didn't have you know oh that's that's well said yeah, yeah. uh you talked about social media your favorite app is twitter if you're like me, that's it's a, a love hate. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I was, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say it's a total love hate relationship with Twitter. I wish I didn't love it so much, right. but and I've tried. I've tried Parlor. I'm on Truth. I think I have. I'm on a waiting list for Truth Social. I'm on Getter. See, I don't do waiting lists. That's why I never opened up Truth. Yeah. So that's. That's just like, my principle. I'm Christy Mayer doesn't wait for a, for a <laughs> platform. You should be calling me. Right. <laughs> you should be like, hello, Ms. Mayer. We have your hand already for you. <laughs> just tweet away. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's... Uh, if there was a, if there was like a mimicking or a mirroring app, if something where, where just my tweets would go to all these different places and then whatever gets shut down, great. At least there's a record somewhere. But am I going to throw the same tweet onto three different Twitter-like platforms? It's like I barely have enough time to right. do like Twitter, Instagram. On Facebook, I've let go. Facebook is dying. Um, huh. It's really just a place to for people to talk about like the Real Housewives shows. That's what I've noticed. And it's, it's a place to go oh, no. to check in on the people you went to high school with and to see how morbidly obese they've become. That is what Facebook is good for. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, yeah, well, I look better than she does. And not to sound catty, but it's like they're, they're the cool kids. You know what I mean? It's nice. To, it feels good to see the cool it's kids. It's the website you have bookmarked to make sure that you can always feel good about yourself. Yeah, let's see if Lee Harrell has an extra chin this year yeah. good uh, back to work the back to work all right five possessions you would keep if you could one of your mom's necklaces completely understandable you know, this question really threw me for a so five possessions you're very and, sentimental and it's a cross between like okay you need your laptop you need your phone yeah. and then i'm like i almost said like good lighting because i'm doing podcasts and stuff oh. like, and then i mean i could have five things I that are I know. Just, this is a stupid who asks these questions who sends this email out yeah, you're right. But I do like I do hang on to handwritten cards like for a long time. That I found I I found that touching when I when I read this because I mean that is Because what if it's the last card they write and they send you? I think it's something about my mom dying it makes oh, me no. like 
uh, like a little bit more of a sentimental hoarder because it's something. What I'm if just you, about to say you're a hoarder, aren't you? I've gotten a lot better, Keith. I used to save like little hotel like shampoos and lotions and stuff. Like my boyfriend really did help. Like when we first started dating, uh, I was in this apartment in Queens. I had like a whole piece of furniture filled with just like travel toiletries, and he's <laughs> like, "You gotta, you gotta do something about this." <laughs> so, hey, if it makes you feel any better. I save those two, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have like several like Ziploc bags full of them underneath my bathroom sink. But here's what happens: then I'll go and travel again, and I will forget to bring them with me. I'm mm-hmm. gonna keep them. I want travel size, you know. And then I forget to bring them with me, and what ends up happening? I end up at a hotel asking for more shampoo and stuff like that. Are you going by it? Like, I gotta go and, CVS. Right. Get and then I just bring it back home and that just bag gets fuller and fuller. It's a real, just, tra- the travel toiletry industry is like the biggest <laughs> grift because you're never, let's say you're going to go away for a week, you're not going to bring that tiny toothpaste that's got three uses left in it because you're like, I'm going to be away from a week. I'm going to run out of this. Why do I bring a half done thing? Yeah. But you're also not going to use the travel size at home. You're going to use your luxurious full size toothpaste and then it just sits there until you, you know, the camera crews show up and they're from Hoarders. And like, look, this is this is an intervention. I think you and I have a problem. <laughs> I think I think I think we could just be discovered. worse. We could hoard. You know, there's worse things to hoard. But I have gotten better. And so yeah, it's a combination of a couple of sentimental things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's a what's a, what's a Hitachi magic wand? Uh, it's. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. This is a family-friendly show. you have a wife show. or girlfriend? Okay, we're skipping this one. It's a back massager. My yeah. back gets tight. It's when my boyfriend's away and my back hurts, and uh, I got to fix my back. It's good for your back. <laughs> okay. And then a back massager. Okay, cool. So there's your five. What was it? Uh, but, you, but I noticed me and my boyfriend really, we really bonded. I think the, I think the lockdowns and the, and the pandemic like really like made or broke, like make or break for a lot of relationships. And I think it like really made my boyfriend and I closer. We bonded like as soon as the lockdowns happened, like wasn't that great the first two weeks, like the actual first two weeks to slow the spread before it was two years to slow the spread. And, uh, you know, all you had to do was watch Tiger King and hang out in your sweats all day. <laughs> so my boyfriend and I started playing Pokemon Go and like obsessively every day would go out and like on our phones like catch pokemon and i was like i'm a grown-ass woman in her (laughs) 30s like i can't wait to get out there and like get a sand shrew you know (laughs) and then you get shiny versions of each one that are different colors tell me you never ended up at a cemetery though i mean we walk past them we wouldn't go in because because uh, i've i've mentioned it on this podcast before where i've gone to a cemetery I was there for a very meaningful visit. The reason why people go to cemeteries. Thank you. I wasn't just there to hang out. And there was a sign at the... I couldn't believe it. There was a sign saying, look, if you're playing Pokemon... stop. Yeah, can you not disturb people that are grieving? (laughs) This is our society. That's what the sign said. I've got to find insurance on my phone. Could you stop crying? I'm trying to get this Pikachu. (laughs) Right, yeah. so I was just hoping that maybe you didn't end up there. We no, we didn't end up in any cemeteries. Like you know, like playgrounds, restaurants, um, you know, different, you know, hospitals, whatever. You know, any place where there's a something like, you know, you can mark down. Or and then if you got to a certain level, you could create your own Pokestop. But I didn't, I didn't get to that level. <laughs> and then I haven't opened it now in a really long time. Oh, you might have some 
surprises waiting Some in updates. There. Something's, yeah, yeah, okay. Now, you had talked about uh, your mom earlier, and I, I'm, I'm sorry that, that you've lost your mom to cancer. You mentioned that as being the most scared that you've been in your life. For yourself or just for her or... That, it was more just like, I think it was right after she died. I was like, oh, wow, like nothing. I'm not prepared for this. Like she was the glue of the family. And I think a lot of moms are because it would always be like, you know, you call your mom calls you and then she hands the phone to dad. Dad checks in, has the car. All right, bye. So like my dad didn't really like know very much about the three of us. And like once mom passed away, it was like the glue was gone. Now we all kind of feel kind of separate. It's a lot harder, I think, to stay in touch. Um, mm. And I don't know if this is just how families get or if there's, you know, and some some days I think like, oh, what can I do to like make more of an effort? But then you're like, I don't want to be the only one making an effort. Everyone moved out of New York. I'm the only one left in New York. So my brother's in North Carolina, sister's in Vegas, dad's in Florida, and everyone couldn't wait to get the hell out of New York. Now I understand, but this was like years ago. Right. And that like nobody really talks about visiting me in New York. It's always kind of expected that I'll go visit everybody else. Do you see yourself ever leaving New York? I think eventually, yeah, especially when I come out here to Texas. I'm like, oh, and now it's more and more of my friends are moving out here. So it's... To to Dallas-Fort Worth specifically? Just, te- well, some are in Austin. A lot are in the, like, the Dallas-Fort sure. Worth area. Mm-hmm. A couple are in Nashville. A couple are in Florida. Well, if you end up moving here, I'll tell you the best part of town to be okay. living in. Okay. Is it next door to you? <laughs> uh, no, I'm telling you, though. You have to get further and further out. And I know this is but true Keith, everywhere. What if I move here and then it, it snows all the time? Like, what if I bring my oh, I love cold snow. weather I don't care. effect? I'm fine with it. Okay. You're going to have to. Are you from here? Convince, no, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay, cool. Can we go back to your college days and how you were a Division One springboard diver? Yeah. That's cool. It was very cool. It's such an unlikely sport. It's how really, did you get into swimming competitively? I was a swimmer. My. Uh, like we, my my mom's mom's so my grandmother lived in Oceanside. We lived in Rockville Center, very close. And it just every summer, we were pool rats. Like my mom would just dump us off at the pool, and like oftentimes she would be there too. We just were like all of us, like that we would just be running around because I think the pool, the summer pool pass was like pretty affordable. So that's just like what we did. Like mm-hmm. maybe we went to um, Disney World like twice in my childhood, but it was always at the pool. So we all started out in swimming lessons. And then uh, me and my sister were on the swim team. I remember I was like, I remember the moment. I think I was like 10 years old. And I'm like just swimming, probably doggy paddle, probably like checked out. And I look over to the dive tank. I'm like, wow, that looks like a ton of fun. And I was already doing a couple years of gymnastics. So I'm like, oh, this looks way better. So I started diving lessons, I think at 10 and then joined the team at 11. And I I was pretty good at it. I don't know if the gymnastics help, but like actually the my coach mm-hmm. would like dive me up a category. Like I'd be 11, 12 years old diving against like 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds and um that's great. It was great and I was like I was like pretty good at it. Like I had a lot of trophies and ribbons and stuff. I mean like it all got thrown out when my parents moved to Florida and like sold the house, but it was weird. Like looking back, mm. I was really good, but at the time, I never thought I was good enough because I wasn't getting first place like every single time. That's important to you. Cue the cue the sad music. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Are you still bitter about that? No, no. I'm realizing <laughs> I was way too hard on myself. Yeah. And like, well, especially think- in college too. Like, I look back, I'm like, oh, I could have been doing even harder dives. Like at the time, I was beating myself up that I wasn't doing the hardest dives possible. 
But I will out myself first and see if this applies to you as well. You just talked about how you would always beat yourself up. I know for myself, I'm my harshest critic, far and away, uh, more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Do you find that uh, with yeah, your own absolutely. self? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why when people are like, how do you deal with the trolls? How do you deal with like the haters online? I'm like, no one's going to say anything worse than I haven't like said. Thank that's uh, That I'm already saying right. in my own head every day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you completely. Yeah, <laughs> nice try. Uh, <laughs> nice try, try, stranger. <laughs> try to get in a cut down contest with me yeah. about me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have crossed paths with lots of celebrities, lots of famous people. Any that stand out for any of the right or wrong reasons that you would I want to share with us today? I passed. Is D. Snyder, does he have like blonde hair? Oh. I think I passed him in the halls at SiriusXM maybe like a year or two or uh -huh. maybe two years ago or so. And he it was weird. Yeah. He like had this reaction to me like he recognized me, which is impossible because I've never, yes, yeah, okay. I've never met the guy. He's like, oh, hey. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> really no. Interesting. So I'm like, he recognized me. I did not recognize him. But who knows? He could have just been being cordial and being kind. Uh -huh. um, yeah, a couple of, yeah, SiriusXM, you're always going to run into somebody. And then I realized like I see and work with comics that are i guess pretty famous and i just consider them kind yeah. of colleagues like jim norton i've opened oh. for doug stanhope uh, i opened for adam carolla like and they're like my favorites there's like really incredible comics and great guys where um, is the best town to be a comedian in? would it be los angeles now it's really anywhere really yeah especially with kind of like youtube and all the social media platforms you can yeah. just get you can you know tape yourself at an open mic getting a couple laughs and you can put that online as content and you can you can grow your online presence while you're you know getting in stage time which i didn't really have like i started stand up in like 2010 okay so even though we all had like cell phones it wasn't the apps were not like right. i think what? we had maybe just twitter and facebook right that's kind of what i wanted to ask you because Stop me if, if I have this wrong. Were you doing stand-up as a career, the pandemic hit, you're forced to do stuff online, and it just kind of organically ended up into a podcast? The Is timing was interesting because I've I, yeah, been doing stand-up like at this point now 10, 11 years, and I, for years, you know, was telling myself I should do a podcast, but I shouldn't. Every comedian has a podcast. Why would I do it? What could I possibly do that's different? I'm not going to be special. Everyone's tired of comedians with podcasts. Like the typical thing was comedians do a one day a week podcast and they have the other comedian friends on. It's all inside baseball, talking about comedy stuff. And it's like, eh, it's a lot of the same stuff. So I was telling myself I didn't want to do that because it just seemed like, eh, what's going to be so different? Mm -hmm. And then... January of 2020, so this is like right before everything, I, I told myself, you know what, I'm going to just start doing a podcast. I'm just going to start doing one day a week, and I'm going to do interviews. I'm going to just do more like in-depth interviews. So I interviewed my um, colleague and friend, Gino Bisconti, and then I uh, was doing some interviews at like an adult film star event in uh, in Vegas. Uh, what was it called? I think it oh, was no. AVN, AVN. Okay. I'm not going to like go into details, but like just you know, <laughs> practice like being there as media, doing interviews. Uh -huh. um, I think because that I was, you know, I was doing this show at Compound Media where we'd occasionally, you know, remember old Howard Stern, they have comedians on, adult mm -hmm. film star people. So I would, I was kind of following in that okay. model. I wanted to be like maybe old school Howard Stern kind of, I was kind of inspired by that. 
So I'm just interviewing these, you know, girls. And then I, you know, I just, the pandemic hit in March and I was like, you know what? I, I decided then, so we did a couple months of Pokemon Go. So from March to May, Pokemon <laughs> Go, very heavily and yeah. Tiger King, all of it. We did right, all the things, right. sweatpants. And then in May, I decided I'm going to do this again. And like really with the help and kind of motivation of my boyfriend, like I'm going to do this four times a week I'm gonna because there's no other comic uh, like female comic really with my political beliefs and like, you know, passionate about free speech and doing stand up. That's doing a four times a week podcast. And I've been able to keep it up. Like even at the mm-hmm. time, one of the managers at uh, Compound Media was like, oh, you're going to tire out your audience. Just do it once a week. And I didn't listen to them. And it's like it Good actually was you. the opposite. Like I, I brought in exponential growth came in from having multiple episodes a week so and i've been able to maintain that and and i think i've even added uh, a couple more shows to it so now it's like i do mondays at compound media tuesday wednesday thursday friday i release new interviews and then i do a sunday night show yeah um with just all girls Uh and it's kind of like a rotating (laughs) kind of a rotating panel it's called Simpcast. so (laughs) yeah no i've seen i've seen uh a lot of the people that i follow on twitter appear on the Sunday night oh, thing. So it's very cool. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's really fun. And we broke our rule of having only women. We actually had Eric July on who's a who's a frequent uh, yep. uh-huh. person here at the Previ- Blaze. Yeah, previous guest of this podcast as well. I just yeah. passed him in the hallways today and uh and he knew you were coming on here. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I mean I'm, like it's so funny. Like I saw him last night. I'm like, I'll see you in Texas tomorrow. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah, he's I love him. He's great. So Okay, let's talk about that. You mentioned how it, it's rare for your political beliefs to be in this business. When did your transformation come? Because you said earlier, when you got out of college, you were big time, feminist, liberal. What what caused that massive change? Yeah, and so was everybody. Like I was living in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. like moved out of... I moved out of my right. parents' house at 26, living in Williamsburg, oh, that's a right. female comic, like in Brooklyn, 26 years old. Like I had, you know, everything, like angry at my dad. I had all the hallmarks of like, oh, I was going to be the next Stevie Schumer and who actually went to my high school. Oh, so wow. Was, everyone's like, oh, and that's when most people, that's most people's reference for female comics, which isn't probably the best thing. But <laughs> um, yeah, I had everything going for me to be like a oh, successful female comic and it just... Yeah, I mean, I guess I I evolved over time. I think 2018 was a big turning point um, through talking to Larry Sharp, who was, at the time, in 2018, the libertarian candidate for governor, and he's also now running again this year in mm. New York. He was very pivotal. He, what do they call it, gold-pilling, when you, when, not like a red pill, but a gold pill. I've where never you turn, heard this. Where you turn someone libertarian. And oh, just through, wow. Just through talking to him and taking some quizzes, I realized, like, oh, I really am... I'm really more libertarian and like less like of a lefty. And that was big kind of breaking away. Cause you really like, this is my identity. This is how I voted. Uh, like I remember I voted for Obama the first time. And then the second time I didn't want to miss yoga. And I was like, <laughs> he's got this. Uh, <laughs> and then voted for Jill Stein, which is kind of embarrassing in 2016. Cause I just, I wasn't really there yet. Came around voted for Trump wow. 2020. And oh. then it was between really 2018 and 2020. And then January 6th, I'm there covering the rally. I was there in November. I was there in December. And I went in January as well because I was like, the media is not covering these events fairly. I want to get in there and see what the people are saying mm-hmm. and thinking and feeling. So it's really been like the last couple of years. Wow. And then just you know, the you know free speech issues with comedy and like, oh, wow, we can't 
we can't make fun of certain and, and just you know conversations about oh we what words we can't say what people we can't make fun of mm-hmm. so and I just feel like it's a real slippery slope and yeah. it's very damaging to comedy yeah it's a fascinating time to be alive is it not <laughs> Okay, uh, I love this. You can go back in history. You'd like to see your grandparents when they were younger. That's an awesome answer. That right? They met like I. I'm a little bit jealous of previous generations. Like my grandmother, she like barely finished high school. It wasn't like Natalie. I was pressured. Like, gotta get your degree. You gotta. You gotta crush it. You gotta be a girl boss. Like she just was <laughs> like got a high school degree and met my grandfather in a sock store and then they got married and that was it she didn't have to sweat taking out loans or like <laughs> i gotta get a degree so i can answer phones in the city and like buy a 15 dollars salad every day <laughs> it was like kind of easier and better back then it, that is a beautiful how simple it is yeah but there's one detail that really stood out to me there was a sock store like a store that just sold socks. I think socks. so. I That's think it was awesome. like a, it was like uh, I need a my sock store in my life. My worked. I think in it was like the sock department okay. of of like a a larger store of like a department store. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe. You'd like to go back and meet I her? I think so. Why her specifically? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to she, have an answer. She seems pretty like I think she seems like there's kind of like a mystery around her and I feel like she's misunderstood and Maybe just like talk to her and like be like, you know, what her day to day is like. How, like, was she happy or was she, you know, really targeted? Mm-hmm. I heard that she left her underpants in JFK's bed. Uh oh, like on purpose. But probably by accident. Think? And Jackie oh. Kennedy found them. This that was oh, in a book I gave no. to my sister. My sister's a history teacher, so I gave her a book of like funny history facts, and that was that was in there. Have you ever heard this one? That Marilyn Monroe may have uh, had a stint with Albert Einstein. Really? So we could give her credit for so many things. Maybe inspiring. she came up with the uh, atom bomb. Yeah. Or something. Maybe she. Maybe it was maybe pillow she talk. did. Okay. So all right. Um, you got to tell me about this because you. This, by the way, this has got to be the quickest turnaround between answering the questions and sitting in that chair because usually. I get the questions back, and then me and the guest will take forever trying to coordinate a good time to, to come in for an interview and all stuff. And so a lot of the information is old. It's like, oh, oh I read that okay. book a year ago, six months ago. Anyway, but you wrote this morning while you were delayed. Uh, well, I was flight, delayed in uh, D.C., yeah. yeah. You, you wrote these uh, answers, and the answer to the most embarrassing moment question oh. literally happened yesterday at a rest stop in upstate New York. And I don't know if I want to tell this story. Oh, no. Because it's... All right, Keith, I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation. Okay. I'm not going to say if it happened to me or not. Just as a creative exercise, and you tell me what you would have done. Okay. okay. All right. So you're at a rest stop. Uh, maybe you're driving up, you're going to go skiing or snowboarding, and you stop at a rest stop, and you go, you know what? And I will keep this as like family friendly as I can. Oh, no. You go, you go, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I have to tinkle. I have to do it. I'm just going to pee. Okay. No big deal. Yep. Nothing crazy. Um, you get into the bathroom. You don't particularly look around. You just, you know, get in and then you start doing it and you start doing what, and then your body, turns out your body has had other plans. Okay. <laughs> Without more detail, I'm just going to say your body had other, other plans. plans. Other, other plans. plans. Oh, no. For this. Oh, and, no. uh, so the other plans happen, 
and uh, I already know what I'd do. And then you look, you look to your left, you look to your yeah. right. There is no toilet paper. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to say there that. There is no paper towel. There are two sad, shriveled squares. <laughs> crampled on the floor (laughs) there's not even a paper there's not even a roll there's not even a paper like the remains of the roll like you're looking around and let's say maybe you were a girl scout and you're thinking can i be resourceful what is around me you're in a room by yourself one stall there is a sink there's a baby changing table um (laughs) and you're you're kind of far away from the cashier what do you do the cashier the you know the person who it's not an outdoor rest stop. You're like you're inside. It's like a it's like a gas station, but it's also like a convenience store. And then the okay. bathroom is in the convenience store. So you're far store. away from getting human help. You're you're kind of like you're not really. If you were to yell inside this bathroom, like nobody would hear you. Gotcha. Like okay. you were screaming. Okay. And uh, you so don't, I just, you don't wanna, just tell you me what you would do, and I'm okay. gonna say what. Okay. My boyfriend said he would have done. And, All right. Okay. So you have options here. They're limited. But what you could do... Also, you have no phone on you. You didn't bring no your phone, phone in. No phone. You just have your wallet, and you have no dollars in that wallet. And see, I always have my phone on me. And I'm not I'm not, I'm not saying that as an I told you so. This is I a lesson. I have my phone yeah. on me because the one time I go into that store without my phone, somebody's going to come in there and rob the place. <gasps> right. So that's why... Anyway. That's smart. Okay. So, in this case, your options are you've got socks... You, okay, what if you, they are your your very oh, no. expensive fancy wool no. socks that you wear just for snowboarding? No, okay. Um you've got your undergarments that you could 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 what possibly if, use. What hypothetically, what if it's a pair of underpants that you really like and you don't Well, stop wearing stuff you like so much when you're going snowboarding. <sighs> you got to you got okay. got to dress for the part. <laughs> I'm trying to help you here. Yeah, yeah, you were right. Let's see here. The the correct answer was, I think, to sacrifice your underwear. (laughs) Oh, no. So do I dare ask how you got out of this situation? I don't know. I think you could probably figure it out. It has something to do with the sink. (laughs) Okay, just was this a... I missed this detail. Was this a single... Yes. One person. So you have a lock on the door? Locked on the door. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You've got time to MacGyver it. You are in there by yourself in okay. a room. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, are there ceiling tiles? Do we know? Are there? There's nothing you can pull down. <laughs> Is there and, insulation and up there? That, uh, okay. So, uh, do I dare ask you how you got yourself out of the situation? Uh, I mean, I... For Wait, process can you, can, of elimination, I did not use socks you can, or my underwear. You can leave it to our imagination. You can leave you like. it to your imagination. It's Again, this is... This was this a bad day. This is so embarrassing. This and was this a just bad happened. day. This was a bad day. And then the conditions on the mountain weren't even that good. So we oh, had to like. Oh, no. We did one run and it was horrible. It wasn't even worth it. But, you know, I left. It was a clean getaway. It's not like I did <laughs> yeah. what I did and then it was, everything was fine. That's good. It's not like you had to run no, out of the building before someone else came in there. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. And, I, and, and so now I talked about this on my Sunday night show and people uh-huh. were like, oh, you should have stuck your head out the door. You should have yelled. You should have asked for help. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it was the way I was raised. Like, I'm not uh-huh. going to involve Jerry right. who's just looking for beef jerky. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to involve the whole store. Yeah. Yeah. Last question on this though for you. While this whole ordeal, well, two questions. How long did this ordeal last for you? And then in during that time, did anyone threat up? 15 minutes? Did you ever hear anybody pulling on the door? Yeah. Uh, 
Because that no. adds a whole new element. Actually, right there. at the end, at the end, somebody was starting to. Oh I'm no! Like, I'm like, hold on a second, buddy. Like, you're not gonna. Everything was fine. Not like a don't go in there. Occupied. Because I'm a because I'm, I'm a lady, and that <laughs> I, I barely do this act to begin with as a woman. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then I went to the front. I was like, you, by the way, you gotta put more toilet paper back there because there's none. Nobody Please don't did. ask me what I did. <laughs> I just happen to look over and notice yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just here, to just neighborhood watch, just checking up <laughs> on all the toilet papers. So, uh, your bucket list. You want to have a surfing trip? Like, yeah, you want like to go anywhere specifically? Somewhere. Because do you surf? Uh, I like I know how to, okay. but it's like something I haven't. You know, unless you're like in a Puerto Rico or a Hawaii, like you're not gonna. Yeah. And you know, Long Island, the waves are so small. I think it would be fun to go somewhere and you're just like, you're doing that a few days in a row, somewhere kind of like tropical and fun. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. And you want to get to Germany and Norway, take your boyfriend to Italy. Yeah, I want to take him to his home country. I mean, not where, you know, he's not from there directly. His right. people are from there. Sure. We can go there and talk about food while we're eating uh, another, another <laughs> Talk about meal. the next meal. Talk about while the next meal while we're eating that meal. And then, yeah, my uh, my mom's side is Norwegian. My dad's side is German. So I think it would be, I think it would feel nice to like, Oh, just see the homeland, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I've been to Iceland. It's it was What? Is that overrated or underrated? It's very cool and it was on sale when I went. It yeah. was like in 2008, Iceland was like it's funny cuz the ads that were all over New York City like, you know, you go into this country, come to Iceland first. It was just like <laughs> it sounded like a desperate chick like, "Hey, come here. Just come here. <laughs> on your way to do this. Why don't you come here?" Cuz I want to go there. Yeah, like to, and it was just stop over. It's it's really interesting. It's like an artsy. Yeah, we were in Reykjavik and mm. the time change is really interesting. Like we were there in November and the sun would set just like weirdly early like it would set at like like be get very dark at like 5 or something. Oh, like my bedtime. Yes, like your bedtime. So it'd be great for you. <laughs> that would and, be uh, awesome. There's uh, something called the Blue Lagoon, which is right near the airport. It's like a huge natural spot. It's like a huge natural I've seen hot that. springs. Yeah. It's really cool. I want to do that, and I want to do these breweries. But I've read really great things about Iceland. I've read really bad things about oh, Iceland. Really? I'm like, I don't know. We went glacier hiking. Oh yeah. We had uh, something you put on your feet called crampons. And they just, they go over your shoes and they have little spikes Spiky coming things. out. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know those had a but name. it was crazy because like they don't, you know, it's not like America. They'd have you sign a, any kind. There are no waivers. These, these were guys that we met at like a sporting goods shop. They're like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to come to a hike with us? <laughs> and it was just like us, you know, a couple of my sister and her friend, a couple from Boston. And if you, there were some areas that we were walking through, like if you took one wrong step, you'd slip like and never be seen or heard from again. Yeah. Yeah, they were so chill about it. These guys seems like a really unique place. Iceland. Yeah, it was really it was pretty cool. What's in your uh, Amazon cart currently? Mm. You wanna take well, a look? Right now, um, you know, because I'm a, a fitness influencer. No, I'm, I'm like barely <laughs> working out a couple times a week. Just different. You know what I do is my new hobby now. I buy workout clothes for Amazon, like leggings. I put them on, and then I see how see-through they are in a mirror and then I send them back. So I've been doing a lot of back and forth. The yoga pants that you get from Amazon, a lot of them are sneakily see-through. So you have to check that they're not uh, see-through in the butt area. You have to put your <laughs> put the pants on and then that's the process. Okay. Well, I, I just, I, I guess I'm still thinking about your uh, rest stop story here a little bit. But oh. No, 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 no. And, and then, then you talk about the Amazon cart. You know what you should get? Because I'm looking at your phone here. We've all got these phone cases, right? Right. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Everybody, this is a life hack. What you do 
is you go buy one of those little ShamWow things. Okay? Are, you, are we talking about the, the bathroom incident? Yeah, well, hang on. You buy a ShamWow. Just you, keep it with me no, at all no, times. No, no, no. You cut it the, the exact size of your phone okay. case. And put then, it in there? And you, you keep it between your phone case. Chances are you'll never have to use it. But if you're ever in Why a Why wouldn't jam you just like then use tissues? Like put a tissue in your phone case. Because that'll, that'll, that'll get... Uh, I already get thought... I've, I've been thinking. I haven't been listening to any answer you've sham, had the last 10 can't minutes. Can't a ShamWow... You've still been troubleshooting my horrible, yeah, embarrassing exactly, story. Because, but, Won't a ShamWow get moldy though? Because your phone will get like slightly wet just with random use and stuff. Won't it get... I don't know. I Why not just like... That. I thought I was on to something because here's what I was thinking. I've already thought about the Kleenexes or the tissue in there, yeah. like because that would like get little particles into your phone, right? Like little little specks. But but the the ShamWow's not gonna work. Maybe. Oh, you didn't even have your phone with you. I didn't have my phone. It's so, so much went wrong yeah, that day. So much. Keith. That was now like the I'm gonna be storm. a person that have a I'll have a fanny pack. Perfect storm. Full of toiletries oh. everywhere I go. I'm gonna be that person. I'm gonna be you too prepared. Gonna, yes, yes. Chrissy Mayer on Twitter. C H R I S S I E M A Y R. Uh, Chrissy Mayer pod on Instagram and there's always ChrissyMayer.com which I assume has all the links that you need all of my dates yep. tickets to all the shows yeah. are there uh, when are you going to do another show here in Dallas probably in the next couple of months okay. I think I was just here in December so it's yeah I'm going to be due to come back pretty soon like I love coming here I think I come out here maybe like two three times you're a year you're going to move here <laughs> debut album out now Chrissy Mayer, live from January 6th. Yeah, made some jokes about the day, some jokes about the Biden administration, some jokes about the lockdowns, uh-huh. and then a bunch of jokes just from the last 10 years of doing stand-up. That's great. It is such a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk with you. I appreciate you making time and coming in here for At The Mic. Thanks for having me, Keith. It was so great spending time getting to know Chrissy. She is so awesome. If you aren't familiar with her show over on YouTube, please do check it out. Chrissy Mayer. M-A-Y-R, such a great person, great host, and I hope you will check out all that she brings to the table. Well, on the next episode of At The Mic, we sit down for a conversation with libertarian thinker Matt Kibbe, but there is so much more to this guy than just libertarianism. We're going to learn so much, especially his musical tastes and a book that he is currently working on. So I hope you'll tune in next time here on At The Mic. Until then... I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review this podcast. Please do give it five stars over at Apple iTunes or Spotify. Feel free to drop us a note through the website at themikeshow.com. And yes, it is true. This show has its own YouTube channel. If you want to check that out, that's youtube.com slash at the mic with Keith. Hope you'll check out that YouTube channel. Well, until next time, above all else, please go be free. And thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.